0: It's Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, verse 13. Usually we start in 14, but would you pick it up there with me in verse 13? Now may the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, act like it. That's what he's trying to get across. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and also able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, thus our series Gospel Life that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus, excuse me, in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things to which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from the Jerusalem and round about I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul made his life about the gospel. And as we learned from last week, the goal of the gospel is not only to see people saved, but to see people sanctified. That they get saved and we become more and more like Jesus each and every day. But I'd like you to take a look at the screen. And what I'm going to do is read Romans chapter 15, verse 17 and 18 from the New Living Translation. Take a look, if you would. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in the service to God. I'm excited about what God's doing. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. Over the course of this series, we've learned about the boldness of the gospel. We've learned about the grace of the gospel, the minister of the gospel, the ministry of the gospel. We even learned last week the goal of the gospel is that we are sanctified. But tonight, we're gonna get into some practicals on sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. Well, there's three points tonight. Maybe you'll write down the first one, sharing the enthusiasm of the gospel. It is obvious that Paul is enthusiastically excited about sharing the gospel wherever he was. He was sharing the gospel. He went to Greece. He found a spot where everyone spoke from a a rock. And there he was, and he spoke from that rock, and he gave the gospel. He went into Philippi. He gave the gospel. He went into Ephesus. He gave the gospel. Wherever Paul was, he was excited about giving the gospel. Of course he was. Of course he was excited about giving the gospel. Because the Spirit of God is in him. Look what Jesus said. It's Luke chapter 15. You'll see it on the screen. I'm going to read two verses, verse 7 and verse 10. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Then in verse 10, likewise Jesus says, this is red letters in your Bible, Jesus is speaking. Likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you know why when someone comes forward at Calvary Chapel South Bay that we clap? Because God's clapping. The Bible says there's more joy in the angels, in the presence of God. In other words, they're looking at God rejoicing over a sinner that repents. He's excited about people that are lost and they are found. He's excited about people that were in darkness and they come to light. Jesus, he gives us some insight into God's enthusiasm just a one sinner, one, one sinner who's saved. There must be a party going on in heaven because of Calvary Chapel South Bay. We're witnessing people every week come to God, and it's not just happening on Sunday mornings. This series, someone called the other day. We were talking the other day um, about when people call the church. And if I was answering the phone and they asked me, where is the church? I respond with, I have no idea. They're all over L.A. They're all over L.A. giving the gospel. Because you all are taking this series and you are leading your friends. You are leading your families. You're leading your neighbors to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God rejoices every time someone gets saved. He is the one that's in the presence of the angels. Jesus had given two stories. He's as excited as a shepherd who finds a sheep. He's as excited as a woman who lost her wedding ring and didn't want to tell her husband before he came home. And she found it. Think how excited she would be. But in order to give a vivid picture in Luke chapter 15 of the father's heart, Jesus tells a story about a prodigal the prodigal son. He asked his dad for his inheritance. And basically what he was saying to his dad is, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. And he took the money and he squandered it. And it was only a matter of days that he found himself eating pig slop. And he goes, I might as well go back and be a servant for my dad, than sit here and eat this pig slop. And the Bible says this when the father saw the son in Luke chapter 15 coming home. Take a look at verse 20. And he arose and he went to his father, came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He basically in joy, was so excited that his son was coming home. He ran. Now imagine you got a 75, 80-year-old man running. By the time he got to his son, he collapsed on his neck. He was so excited he didn't even feel the adrenaline when he was running towards his son. Shouldn't that be our desire? Shouldn't it be our desire to bring this kind of joy to our father? To give him this kind of glory? And shouldn't it be our approach to the gospel that when we sense that someone wants to come to the Lord, we make a beeline for him? In fact, we wear ourselves out until we collapse on them with joy for them to come to the gospel. We need to run to people as enthusiastically as this old man ran to his son. That is sharing the enthusiasm of the gospel. Let me give you a few examples. Do you remember Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter two, verse 10. Luke chapter two, verse 10, you know the story. We'll do it at Christmas, okay? Then the angel said to him, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. You know how the kids always read it? And they get up there and they read it, okay? And it's like this. Do not be afraid. And we all go, oh, he's so cute. I'll never forget there was one Christmas. Never mind. I was, I was going to tell you a story about my son, but I decided not to. Um, listen, so he accidentally called God a she. He didn't mean to you know and he was up there and uh, and he just goes and she said he she he she. <laughs> and i was like okay we're going to help him out a little bit luke chapter 2 verse 10 can you imagine how the angels showed up they didn't show up with i bring you good tidings of great joy <laughs> this is a birth announcement they're letting everyone know the gospel They're letting the shepherds know a healthy baby boy has been born. Tell me a father that walks out of that recovery room and they go to their family and say, baby boy was born. Baby girl was born. Hip, hip, hooray. They tell you something, that's not how you do a birth announcement and it's not how you express the good news of the gospel. Let me give you another example. There was a woman. There was a woman at the well that Jesus had a conversation with. She was so enthusiastic that she ran to a Samaritan village. Now, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Samaritans. They can care less about Jews. They are apathetic to any news that would come out about the Jews. In fact, they thought the Jews were the scum of the earth. But this woman didn't care. She had some news to tell the Samaritans, and she didn't care how apathetic they were. She went into the streets. Look at John chapter 4, verse 28. John chapter 4, verse 28. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ?" Then they went out of the city and came to him, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified? He told me all that I ever did? Let me tell you something. That woman did not go into that apathetic village and go, okay, since you're apathetic, I'll be apathetic, and since you don't care about God, I won't care about God either. There's a man, he's at the well, (laughs) and he's got a story that he'd like to tell you. He told me my whole story. Would you like to hear it too? This woman riled up the entire city. And what the disciples didn't do, she did. She went with the good news of the gospel to an apathetic world, and she brought it with enthusiasm and stirred up the apathy to go see Jesus. And a revival broke out because she was enthusiastic about the gospel. Let me give you another example. There was a man born blind. Man born blind. He was so enthusiastic. Turn there with me, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, this one you got to see. John chapter 9, I'm going to pick it up there in verse 24. John chapter 9, he is now, he is able to see. And he's standing in front of the state of California. Excuse me, the Sanhedrin. And in John chapter 9, verse 24, he is standing in front of the enemy. He's standing in front of people that wanted to do nothing with Jesus. Get Jesus out of Jerusalem. Get any word of Jesus out of the Jerusalem. Take a look. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know Excuse me, I, I said verse 24. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. What hypocrites. Sorry, I added that. We know that this man's a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Do you th- when he said that, do you think he went like this? Though I was blind, now I see. <laughs> this guy can see. A lifetime of being blind. He was born blind. Be careful how you read the Bible. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? So he answered him and he said, I told you already. And you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love this guy. (laughs) Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fella, we don't know where he's from. The man answered and said to him, Why? This is a marvelous thing. I can just hear the sarcasm oozing out of him. That you don't know where he's from. Yet he's opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. you think he said it like this? Since the beginning of the world. Now that's a marvelous thing. He may have done that. But the truth of this guy is that he was looking at the enemy and nothing would stop his enthusiasm to share, once I was blind, but now I can see. Jesus had done something for this guy and he wanted even the enemy to know. See, sharing the enthusiasm of the gospel is what Paul did. But secondly, maybe you'll write it down, Sharing the simple message of the gospel. Sharing the simple message of the gospel. Paul wrote, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message. Church, can I tell you something? There is only one message of the good news. There's only one message. There's only one message. Paul Let me explain why. He says this in Romans chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Now, we can say this about ourselves. We've been separated to the gospel of God. That's important. Which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Now maybe you might highlight in your mind, separated to the gospel of God, concerning his son, Jesus Christ. The gospel is God's. God's the author of the good news. And let me tell you something about God. He cannot lie. He cannot lie, and he cannot change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God is the one that gave the gospel. Thus you know it's true, and there's only one gospel. But the gospel is concerning his son, Jesus Christ. The message is about Jesus because no one else can save Only Jesus can save. And Jesus made it very clear. No one can get to the Father except through me. Now let me tell you what that means. There's no paradise for the Muslim. There's no nirvana for the Buddhist. There is no moksha for the Hindu. Those are all deceptive synonyms of the devil for hell. And let me tell you something about the devil. He's a deceiver. Of course he would make it sound good and call it paradise. Of course he would make it sound good and call it nirvana. He's a deceiver. Heaven is the place that God resides Jesus sits at his right hand and only belief in Christ's redeeming work can get you to be with God. There is one message of the gospel. Now the simple message of the gospel, it has bad news and it has good news. It's bad news. The bad news of the gospel, every person is a sinner and separated from God. That's bad news. The bad news of the gospel? Every person in this room is helpless to save, to be saved. There is nothing you can do to save yourself. Imagine, I told you I was a lifeguard for many, many years. No matter who I swam out to, when they were drowning, they were desperate for a lifeguard. Desperate for someone to save them. I never swam up to someone and said, Could you try a little harder? If you just kick. Now listen to me. I'm telling you. Otherwise you're going to drown. Do your arms like this. Stop flapping around. You're going to attract sharks. I'm telling you. I never did it. When I swam up to them, I knew they were helpless and they needed to be saved. The entire human population was drowning. And so Jesus came as our lifeguard, and he gave us the only rescue buoy available himself. And he swam us to shore. That's our Lord. (coughs) And that's the good news. That God provided salvation for sinners through Jesus Christ. But he gave you a free will. So you get to choose your eternal destination, whether you choose to accept it or reject it. Now there's one message, but there are many different ways to share the good news. Paul didn't use the same approach with the jailer in Acts 16 that Philip used with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, but it was the same message. In fact, Paul said this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, he says this, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partakers of it with you. Do you know that God speaks Spanish? Amen. Do you know that God speaks German? Waiting for an amen. <laughs> and it amazes me. Even when German people are speaking and they're happy, they sound mad. It's like they just had a baby. <laughs> it's like, okay, God bless you. I've been to Germany. Do you know that God speaks Bassa? Apons Do you know that God has every tribe, tongue, and nation in heaven? And do you know that God, listen to this missionary case 101, there was a group of, of, of nationals that believed that the center of the human being was the throat, not the heart. So the missionary came up with an idea, not to accept God into your heart, but into your throat. So now when you lead them to the Lord, you ask Jesus into your throat. I'm sure God is in heaven going, what is the deal with the whole throat thing? Do you know the word that we use for heart? Hebrew uses the word bowel. Because the center and the seat of emotions for the Hebrew is the bowel. Can you imagine? We're gonna accept Jesus into our large intestines. (laughs) Now, I just wanna stop there for a moment, because some of you might be like, wait a second, Chad, don't be unorthodox with this. No, I need you to understand what Paul was doing. He was eating meat offered to idols which was forbidden by the Jews, but the Gentiles didn't care about it. And so there he was eating. Now listen, do you know I've eaten the iguana? Nasty. Do you know why I ate iguana? Because the person's house that I was eating at didn't know the Lord. So when they served dried iguana, now let me tell you, it's not good. It, no, it really is not good. It's worse than dried monkey. Had that one too. Why am I doing this? Because Paul said, I'll do anything, I'll become anyone for the sake of the gospel. Don't look at that as compromise. Because in heaven is every tribe, tongue, and nation. As long as the message doesn't change, however, you need to catch them, Paul is saying, catch them. Now, to the young man that's listening, well, there's this beautiful young girl over on aisle nine in Calvary Chapel South Bay, and I'd like to catch her for the gospel. (laughs) I'm not talking about sin. And if your mind goes there, then there's something that you need to pray through. Because to the pure, all things are pure. And what Paul is communicating is, I'll learn any language. I will sit with anyone. I will become whatever nationality I need to become so that I might share The gospel and the impact of sharing the gospel, whether it was the Ethiopian eunuch or whether it was the Philippian jailer, was that there was joy because they came to know the Lord. In fact, when Paul shared the gospel in trial, in trial at the Thessalonian church. Take a look what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Even when I'm going through trial, I'm going to give the gospel with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see, no matter the situation, once you've got the gospel, you're willing to share the message with anyone, anywhere. Now, the simple message of the gospel may have different approaches, but it will always answer five questions. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, you'll see this. Luke chapter 24, we're going to pick it up. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in verse 45. And he opened their understanding in Luke 24, verse 45, that they might comprehend the scriptures. So he said to them, Thus it's written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Remember what I said. The simple message of the gospel may have different approaches, but it will always answer five questions in its presentations. When I used to go behind the rebel lines and I would minister, they didn't have clothes. They were very scantily clad It was in the middle of the war. And so, wanting to be like them, don't go there in your mind. (laughs) I would dress in a way that wasn't flashy. Now, you might go, well, what is that? I didn't wear shoes. I bought rubber flip flops. And I walked through the jungle in rubber flip-flops, because they did. And I would wear a shirt that had holes all over it. And I wore shorts that were ripped. And whatever they looked like, I wanted to look like. Hudson Taylor. When Hudson Taylor went to China, he dyed his hair black, he shaved it, and did a ponytail because he wanted to, for them, the Chinese at the time, to hear the gospel. And he did whatever he could so that he could be like them to help them understand. There are many different approaches to communicating the gospel. Let me ask you this. When you're in Chad, Africa, and there is no water, is it a sin to baptize people with sand? You see, these are some questions that seminary doesn't teach you. And what Paul is communicating is this. Listen, become all things, whatever it takes to get the gospel across. But Jesus is making it clear the gospel will always answer these questions. The first is this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And the Bible says, thus it is written, and what was necessary for the Christ. See, the gospel tells the story of Jesus. And so the gospel, it always has to define who Jesus is. And he declared himself to be the Christ. He's the one, here's what Christ means He's the only one sent from God because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's the only one. He didn't send Muhammad. He sent Jesus. It's got to answer this question. What has Jesus done? What has Jesus done? Well, the Bible makes it very clear that he had to send the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He had to suffer for our sins. He had to pay the price of our sin. There's a cost to breaking the law, and Jesus paid that price. And then it answers a third question. Why did Jesus do this? Well, the Bible says very clearly here, the repentance and the remission or the forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. You see, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. In order for us to go to heaven, we had to be made perfect. That is the truth of heaven. But because we were born in sin, the only answer was forgiveness. When I give the gospel on Sunday mornings, and I look at the people that have gathered here up front, and I look at someone in the eye, and I say, You're forgiven. As soon as I say it, they break. Because there's nothing like the power of forgiveness. Something wonderful is released in the human body when we know that we are forgiven. Our spirit comes alive and the burden of sin is removed. That's why Jesus did this. Well, the next question has got to be how do you know it's true? It's true because it's in the scriptures. In John chapter 20, verse 31, look what John wrote. He says this, These are written, the word of God, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. God, who cannot lie, who does not change, he gave us his word, I promise. Jesus is the only answer. Mother's Day, I was exhausted. And I went home, but I had promised my son that I would take him to a movie. And so, that evening, he came, and I was hoping he would forget. (laughs) That evening, he goes, Hey, Dad, are we going? And every parent has a choice at that point. Exhausted and tired I kind of looked at him and I said, sure, son, we can go if you'd like, if you really want to go. I mean, it's been one of those days, Bob, and I'm pretty tired, but we'll go if you really think we should. <sighs> I think we think sometimes that how God, that's how God approaches his word. I promise you, I really promise. I mean, I'm pretty tired of all these prayers. <laughs> but, you know, if you want that promise, I'll give it to you. <laughs> that's not how I approached my son. He said, hey, Dad, though I wrestled in my spirit. Yeah, but I promised you. We'll go. And he said, great. And I went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And then we went and we had such a blast. But let me tell you something about God. When he speaks something, he means it. When he says, I promise, when he says, it's my son, it's my only son, and I love the world, and I want the world to be saved, so I'm sending my son. When he says it, you can trust it. But not only is it God's word. Look what the Bible says, what Jesus says, and you are witnesses, the Bible says in verse 48. He's speaking to the disciples, and Paul tells us that over 500 people watched the ascension. They saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. Over 500 people. If you put 500 people into a courtroom, let me tell you something. Witness after witness after witness. When the jury goes in to deliberate whether or not innocent or guilty, trust me, with 500 witnesses, it won't last more than three seconds. 500. That's how you know it's true. And the last question is the most important one when it comes to the gospel. How do we respond? How do we respond? And the only truth that Jesus says, preach repentance. People are sinners and they need to be saved. And there's nothing that you can do except except the gift of Jesus Christ. Now, when you're giving a gift to someone at Christmas, think of your approach. You can open your gift or not. (coughs) Think of your approach. Think of your approach. I know for me, when my kids were young, I loved wow gifts. We didn't do a lot of gifts, but I loved a wow gift. I wanted to see them explode with joy. And I was more of a kid than they were. Because when they were opening up the gift, I was shaken. I just couldn't wait. And I loved when the paper would open and they would open it and see it. And then all of a sudden, they're like jumping for joy. It's like, woo, I got the wow gift and I'm jumping. I'm excited. I loved when I would roll the bike out and I'd act like all Christmas morning. Oh, I guess we couldn't afford it this year. And then I would roll it out and it be like, there's the bike! And they would just go riding that bike and it was just such a blast. Now you're the Christian and you're presenting the gospel. Uh, uh, um, you know, G- <clears throat> Jesus. Yeah, he died for sins and... <laughs> I know what's happening right now. And all of a sudden it's like we get choked up. Do you realize you are giving the greatest wow gift? Do you realize that when they open that gift and experience the joy of Jesus, the world has convinced us that the gospel needs help? But can I tell you something? The gospel I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And though the message seems simple, its impact is profound. You see, the gospel leads us to Jesus, and then Jesus transforms the rest of our lives with the gospel. You see, it impacts our relationship with the world around us. No longer are we bitter, resentful, and angry. It impacts what we think about ourselves. We're salt and we're light. It impacts how we live our lives with forgiveness and kindness and gentleness. It impacts how we look at life's circumstance and situations. It impacts even how we look at our greatest enemy, death. It is not finality. It's simply a butler ushering me straight to the arms of God. It impacts every aspect of our life. There is no part of life that the gospel does not transform the way we think and how we live. So how are you going to present it? Knowing the impact of this wow gift. And that's why Paul then says, they know how we're bringing the Gentiles to God by the way I worked among them. It's our final point tonight, sharing the life of the gospel sharing the life of the gospel. Hey, church, you know people are watching you? Do you know that? St. Joseph, Holy Mary, you know that? I don't know what they call you. They used to call me Borny. But they are watching you. Take a look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. The Bible knows they're watching you. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those that are watching you. Wow. Those that are hearing you. Those that are listening to you. People are watching. I had malaria. I'm a single guy. And I'm lying in bed and I have got like a 104, 105 fever. I'm miserable. Malaria is just the word. You can fry an egg on your feet. It's just the worst sickness to get. It's the number one world's number one killer. We were delivering bags, 100-pound bags of rice. And it was in my house that all the rice were delivered, and we were delivering these 100-pound bags of rice to our teachers because we couldn't afford to pay them during the war, so we gave them rice so that we could just keep school going during the war. Well, I'm in bed, and I can't be part of the distribution. And there's this one woman left. She's all of 100 pounds. And the bag of rice is 100 pounds. And I hear her whimpering and crying outside of my window. How am I going to carry this bag of rice? What am I going to do? I can't believe this. And the Lord knocks on my heart. Get up out of bed and go carry the bag of rice. I say to the Lord, if that was you, you wouldn't have given me malaria. So I'm going back to bed. Now, remember, I told you I was a single guy. This was many years ago, okay? I've grown in the Lord since then. So the Lord knocks on my heart, and he goes, no, 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 no. Carry the bag of rice. I'll give you the strength. Lord, I can't get out of this bed. Get up. I got up with the worst attitude you could possibly imagine. And I picked up that bag of rice, and I put it on my head, and I start walking to the road. It's like five, 600 yards away my head is pounding, I've got a fever like crazy, and I am, your joints, thank you. you, amen, your joints are hurting, you know it, and I am walking with this bag of rice, and she's behind me, oh, praise God, glory, Jesus, hallelujah, and I'm like this to God, I can't believe you're making me do this. I get to the road, I throw the bag of rice down, and I walk away. Thank you. Oh, Brother Chet, thank you. And I just keep walking. I don't even take the praise. Because I know i got a bad attitude. I got no credit in heaven for what i That's why I'm telling you it wasn't a good work. My attitude was so bad. I had started a discipleship group. And there was this one guy. His name was Daniel Ba. And Daniel, he joined... He got saved and joined our group. This was like the kid that no one ever thought would get saved. And he was in my group. And at the end of a year, we went around the circle and we were talking about what was the most impactful thing over the year that we learned about Jesus. And Daniel got up, who has since gone home to be with the Lord. Daniel got up and he said this. I was the janitor for the school. And I remember looking out the window, and I saw this white man carrying a bag of rice for a black woman. And I'd never seen a white guy do anything for a black person. And I thought to myself, whatever he believes, I want that. Praise God. And I repented. I'm like, Lord, I am a wretch. (laughs) And he never knew the story. He thank God he went home to be with Jesus. I mean, he's like he doesn't know the story. And you know how he went home being to Jesus? He was delivering food on a motorcycle to people that had need, and he accidentally got hit and he died doing the work of the Lord. Church, people are watching. You ever seen that show, Undercover Boss? I love that show. I love it. It is a show that as as they're doing it, as the employees are doing it, you're like, don't do it, don't do it. She's watching you. That's your boss. Like, you're yelling at the TV, stop, don't take the money out of the drawer. You're going to go to jail. Like, you're just almost talking to the TV because undercover boss is watching you christian everywhere you go everything you say people are watching yes. and when you watched the apostle paul live his life you watched the gospel in galatians chapter one galatians chapter one take a look you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, tried to destroy it, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul's letting us know the kind of man he was before Christ. And the gospel transformed his life, and the gospel redeemed his personality. God took a go-getter and made him a go-getter for the gospel. He was zealous to destroy the church, and now he was zealous to see people saved. So zealous. In the 35 years of Paul's ministry, five different mission trips, 50 different Roman cities. He preached to pauper, and he preached to power. He wrote no less than 14 books. He trained other people to do the same. Paul lived a life for the gospel. So church, here's where we close. In Romans chapter 11, verse 14, he wrote this about his fellow countrymen, the Jew. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who my flesh and save some. You see, when they forced Paul to go one mile, he went two. When they slapped him on one cheek, he turned the other. He expected the world to act like the world, and he chose to act like the gospel. The world is going to lie, cheat, and steal. Our different response makes them jealous. It makes them want what we have. Amen? Amen. Why don't we make the people around us a little jealous this week and live a life of the gospel. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. And Lord, I pray that we would be enthusiastic about the gospel, that we would share the message of the gospel, that we would live the life. Thank you, Jesus. that the Apostle Paul was a mere man like us, but he lived the gospel life by the power of your Spirit. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.